Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The older I get, the more I seem to become aware that there are just things in this life that I just don't get. Like, for example, ear gauges. You know, a thing where people don't just pierce their ears, but then stick bigger and bigger things in the holes to, to try to stretch out their earlobes. I'm not judging. I have friends that do this. I just, I just don't get it. Or, or when someone pulls up to a stoplight and stops a full car length behind the line and then proceeds to inch forward every five seconds until they either end up halfway into the intersection or the light turns green. No matter how many theories I read on the internet, I don't think I'll ever understand the ending of Lost. And another one that has always bugged me, ever since someone suggested it, is how Superman can fly faster. I mean, I get that he can fly, but where exactly is the throttle in this posture here? It just doesn't make sense. I don't get it. No matter how many times I sit down to try to understand these things, the answers just elude me each and every time. I just don't get it. Now, your list of the ungettable is likely different from mine, but there are things that do seem to creep into people's top tens. Things like the question of evil, questions of human existence, questions about God. I mean, just look at that last one. God. The idea of a personal, intelligent being that transcends our entire experience of being, of personhood, and of intelligence. And yet, this is something that humanity has tried to get for, for about as long as people have existed, trying to figure out, trying to understand God his natures, his characteristics, his relationship <clears throat> to man. This was one of the works of the Pharisees. Their devotion, quite impressive, ever studying <clears throat> the finer points of scriptures. For them, the Torah, the commandment of God was paramount, and so they developed traditions and practices, codes and, and rules, all based on the idea that through this Torah, they got God. Through this, they learned that forgiveness of sins was something that belonged only to the divine. They came to understand that righteousness came through right and faithful actions and the shunning of the opposite. They saw that God is worshipped through sacrifice and ritual, both collectively in the life of the temple and individually through fasting and prayer, and through this system of understanding, they found at least a degree of control, some way to manage their place in this world and their ultimate fate with God. But I ask you what happens when understanding is challenged? What do we do when the way that we have come to understand this world changes? It's a question that we all must ask ourselves because it is a question that is inevitably raised for all of us in Jesus. 
That happens for the Pharisees here in Luke's gospel. This man, Jesus, challenges their entire way of thinking. He forgives sins. He associates with sinners and shuns the righteous. He takes their entire understanding of worship and undoes it all, taking away all the things that they thought they got and calls them old. And he does it by stating that something entirely new has arrived. Through Jesus' ministry, his teaching, the way that the Pharisees understood things gets flipped on its head. The worship of sacrifice, of fasting and prayer, loses its significance when the object of that worship is now present and accounted for. Forgiveness of sins no longer lies hidden behind the veil of heaven. Righteousness is no longer a thing to be earned, but something to be shared and bestowed upon those who do not have it. Jesus confronts the Pharisees with something new, something so radical that you can't even talk about it in the same sentence as their old understandings. The result of this new thing is a new people, a people who have embraced this new understanding of the world through Jesus. Christians have been named the stewards of the truths of Jesus Christ. His life, his work, his promises. So rather than the Torah, we focus our energies on getting Jesus. We diligently study the testimony of his apostles, teachings of those in the church, so that we can better navigate this new reality that Christ has called us to in faith. We seek new ways to talk about him, in an effort to describe his natures, his justifying work, his first coming, his second coming, and a whole host of other doctrines. This institution and others like it are bastions of understanding. We teach, we study, we learn Jesus Christ because more than anyone else, we get Jesus Christ. But is that really it? Is that what sets us apart? The fact that we get it where the world does not? If so, are we all that much different from the Pharisees? Now, we may not look to the Torah for our answers, but do we, like them, place our hope in systems and our ability to get Jesus? Do we fall into the trap of seeing the defining features of Jesus' life and ministry as the unveiling of a new understanding about God, about faith and salvation? Is the new garment that cannot be dissected and sewn into the old just some new philosophy that's come along? Is the new wine that cannot be poured into old skins metaphor for a new doctrine? that just cannot be contained in old categories? Or is this something new entirely? Because when Jesus talks about the new wine, 
The new thing that it signifies is not a teaching, but an event. The coming of the Son of God into the world in the person of Jesus. That's why we are free to speak of forgiveness of sins on this side of heaven, because heaven has visited this world. That is why the unrighteous have hope, because God has brought his righteousness to them. That is why the rules of the Sabbath don't apply anymore, because the Lord of the Sabbath, the one who rested on that seventh day after creating this world, has come into that world. The disciples do not fast and pray, lamenting their separation from God, because they are separated from God no longer. They sit in his presence daily, hearing his words, receiving his teaching. And that is a cause for joyous and wonderful celebration. Now, just like I may never fully get the ending of Lost or the bizarre physics of Superman's abilities, we may never fully get Jesus. Not in this life, anyways. And perhaps not even entirely in the life to come. Now, that doesn't mean that we should all pack up and leave here. It doesn't mean that we should cease to deepen our understanding of Christ. In fact, Jesus has made it our calling, our calling to do just that for the sake of this world. But always remember that your standing with God isn't determined by your ability to get it, to understand the things of God completely. It's established in Jesus, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, and his coming again in glory. But more than that, cling now to what you do get. Because that brief moment in the history of the world, when God entered into time and space, means that now you get Jesus in your time, in your space. In his written word, you get the truth about what his coming was and what it will be. So seek it out. Listen to it gladly when it comes into your midst. Through his servants, among whom most of you will one day count yourselves if you have not already, you get forgiveness announced over you and your sins. Forgiveness that he died to earn so that you could receive it today. In the sacraments, you get to feel the presence of Christ on your very skin. Every molecule of water, bread, and wine filled with eternal life and salvation. So celebrate them as the gifts that they are. Regard them as the very presence of God for you, and you get all of these things, whether or not you get Jesus. They are yours. They are yours today. They are yours tomorrow. They are yours always. And that is a promise that defies understanding. But yet it is a promise that delivers peace.
and that peace which also surpasses understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.